Greetings Northlings and welcome to Haunted Up North, the minky, musky, sly old stoty stoat of a podcast dedicated to the telling of real life paranormal experiences from the north of the UK. The first person who contacts me to tell me where they recognise that quote from gets a free Haunted Up North sticker sheet. Even if anyone doesn't recognise that quote, I remain hopeful, regardless, that you still find yourselves scintillated, scared and, most importantly, entertained by the spectral tales I'm about to tell you today. The tales we're going to be telling today, I'm not so sure that they are spectral as much as broadly supernatural, because it isn't ghosts we're going to be talking about, it's something else. Something still rather scary, depending on your opinion, your personal opinion, about this episode's subject, which is, of course, as you've probably already guessed from reading the episode description about aliens. Dun, dun, dun. You may have noticed another voice chiming in with my own. And yes, there is another voice here with me today, because it's special guest Sunday time and Martin is back. Hello, everybody. You might remember Martin if you've listened to episode number nine about the ghosts of Crumlin Road Jail in Belfast. I don't remember. (laughs) Have you blocked it out? I have no recollection. Or did you just get so drunk during the recording? I have no recollection. (laughs) That you can't remember it? I have no recollection. Um, you didn't expect to be on here so soon, did you? Again? I have no recollection. (laughs) No, I didn't. (laughs) Uh, But I didn't feel like I could talk about aliens on Haunted Up North without including you. Because I'm gangly like an alien. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, and because aliens are more your thing, aren't they, than mine? Well, I've met a few, yeah. Have you? How many aliens? I don't know, like a throng. A throng of aliens. Like seven. Is that a... I reckon a throng is seven. Yeah, let's just say seven. Seven aliens. Wow! Yeah. Possibly. I mean, who knows? But you know more about aliens than I do, because I do find aliens scary, but I don't find them quite as scary as ghosts, because in my mind, I feel like the possible existence of aliens is scientifically viable in terms of standard science. Oh yeah, that's true. Because it's possible, isn't it? Like, they're they're slightly less paranormal to me because it seems a perfectly normal possibility that there is life on other planets who are maybe more advanced than us in terms of space travel and stuff like that. Yeah. And it would surprise me, completely surprise me, to find out one day that there isn't. I hope they're nice, though. Well, they are nice, the seven I've met. Are you sure it wasn't the seven dwarves? Who's to say they aren't aliens? But no, yeah, the, it's a, it's entirely feasible, isn't it, according to Brian Cox on the telly. Cox. And Professor Stephen Hawking, who've got various different opinions on the matter. <laughs> but regardless of the fact that I might not find them as scientifically abnormal, I just mean that there's a certain mystique that's missing for me about aliens because of that fact. Mm. But in more recent years, that level of mystique has increased for whatever reason. I don't know why. But I don't deny that little faces peeping in at you through windows. I don't deny that that's completely terrifying. That's a Yorkshire thing. I've never done it. You have. I see you do it every time we walk (laughs) down the road. See what people are watching on telly. 
So you want them for the tea? Yeah, but that's cosy, isn't it? Nosy. <laughs> but the accounts that you hear of people thinking that there's an owl <laughs> staring in at them when they're in bed from outside, then realising it isn't an owl and that it's an alien is horrid. Yeah, the owls are not what they seem. Yeah, they're aliens. But just an owl that is an owl looking at you in bed is <laughs> still really scary. I would be scared if I saw an owl, let alone an alien. Yeah, I'd get the cat. Get the cat in. Sort the owl out. What, chuck it out of the roof? No, just get the cat <laughs> in the room and then I'd leave the room. And they could stare at each other through the glass. Oh, I thought you meant the owl was in the room. No, it's peeping. Oh, it's looking at that. Oh, yeah, well, bring the cat in anyway to peek back in. <laughs> we'll stare off. But like, but so anyway, I do get that aliens are frightening. They are frightening. Just like any human staring at you through some glass into your private space is incredibly unsettling and creepy. Mm. The film Signs with Mel Gibson, I think that's a genius film for getting across the creepiness of aliens. Because mm. he uses very ghost-like qualities to his alien scenes that I haven't seen in many other films about aliens. I think it's genius. And you don't, you don't quite see the aliens properly throughout most of it. No, you get glimpses towards the end, but it's, um, yeah, it's very suspenseful. Yeah, and it's clever direction, because it's a proper invasion, isn't it? Mm. It's not just a one-off visitation or abduction. So you get that sense of invasiveness without really seeing the thing that's invading you. Yeah. Like when your house is haunted by a ghost and you don't really know what it looks like, because you can't, or often you can't really see it. I feel like since that film came out, I've probably been more scared of aliens than I was before. I like, da, da, da. <laughs> um, not to be boring, obviously Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. By Spielberg. It's, um, yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's just a... I've only ever seen that once. Yeah, well, once is all you need, because it <laughs> pretty much sums up aliens, doesn't it? Yeah. Alien visitations to Earth. It's, it's not your standard, oh, look, aliens are scary. It's, no, it's not a scary film. But it is scary in its own way, you know, the when they all come out with you know, the long armed alien, he's not he's not terrifying in terms of he's not out to get you, but it's just the whole the concept of aliens <clears throat> arriving on Earth. It's like a you'd hope it would happen that way in some respects if it, yeah. if it did have happened. It's not your classic, oh look at us we're getting invaded by aliens and the nasty. It's a very clever film, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I like slow that film. burner. Yeah, and I do. I know what you mean. I like to think that aliens um, aren't necessarily predatory. Yeah, which going back to Stephen Hawking, he said we should never. I'm obviously not um, quoting him directly, but he said something about we should never hope that we meet aliens because they'll probably just wipe us out. Because we'll probably be. It's something to do with if they can visit us, they'll obviously be far more advanced and they'll see us as they'll either enslave us or just wipe us out because we'll look really inferior. Do you think that's measuring? But yeah, it's measuring. Do you think it that's measuring? Human, yeah, exactly. On human Maybe it's ideals humans that not yeah. alien ideas. I mean, they could come and they could be blobs. They could be floating blobs, and they could be really kind and go around kissing everyone. Well, yeah, that is advanced. That's an yeah. advanced organism, isn't it? Exactly. If it's kind. But he's got a point, I suppose. He's a clever man, and he's got a point. But yeah, it's a, so it's a good, and I, I like the little aliens running around. Oh, I don't. I, I'd hope that. Stupid. When aliens, if aliens do arrive, I just want them to run around loads. That'd be dead good fun, wouldn't it? 
I don't know. I think they'd struggle to control a massive spaceship, like a super advanced spaceship, no, just, if there no, were just little no. children dressed as aliens running around. Well, maybe, but the long-armed one, he does all that, and the rest of them just run around. Is the long-armed alien the person who does all the graft, and they just get to mess around? Uh, they don't have to graft because they're that advanced. He just flies the plane and pats them on the head. So there's two species, do you reckon, in this film? No, they're all just, there's no such thing as species. <laughs> Again, we're basing it on human human concepts. This is an abstract concept, and they're, they're just like running around. And that he pats them on the head, or he, it, she pats them on the head, and then just run around. I'd join in with the running around if they ever landed. I'd be like, Yeah, yeah can I, I can, join in? I can see you doing that. <laughs> I don't like those little baby aliens, though. I think they ruin it. I think it's so atmospheric, and then these obviously children dressed in alien suits come out. I'm just like, What? Well, yeah, I know what you mean. It's a bit, you know, you can tell the children. But the mashed potato mountain. (laughs) Delicious. Yeah, delicious. (laughs) He wants a sausage in that, doesn't it? stick a sausage How many sausages would you... I'd put put loads of sausages round. I wouldn't put three in the top. Yeah. I'd stick as many sausages as I could in that. Yeah, and each time I took a bite, I'd go, bite, and then I'd go, and then I'd go, bite another one, go, and I go, oh, I can't do the thing. Why would you do go, that? What's oh, that supposed oh, to be? Oh, oh right. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. That'd be good, wouldn't you it? You don't really change any of the I know, but I couldn't think because your... I was too busy <laughs> chomping the sausage. You know, my notes were off. I'll apologise for that. Um, so, yeah, if you haven't watched that, won't spoil it apart from we've spoiled the alien bits. That oh, yeah, we've told them land. the end. But... Oh no! Well, no, that's never a bit mind. More. I'll put a no, thing. More... I'll put a spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler but there's more alert. to it than it's not just a. There's more to it than that. But yeah, it's a great, great film. So, yeah. I have a weird theory that aliens are us from the future. Do you? Like humans, humans from the future who've colonized other planets, mm. which is why they look like humanoids because they were once human. Yeah. And it's just how our human bodies have evolved over thousands of years of living in spacecrafts and in other worlds and other environments. Is that why I look like a baby? And in this future, this future, Mm. these future humans, we've developed a time machine that allows us to go back and observe Mm. our origins. And perhaps that's why there are weird experiments performed on people like... It could be biological research into the ways our bodies work in order to make more sense of how they work in the future, or maybe just for general interest. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's entirely possible. It's and as feasible as any other theory. I just think, I just think it'd make a great book, though. Mm. Um, but the time machine aspect, in my opinion, could explain the loss of time that many people experience when they've encountered UFOs. That's unidentified flying objects, to those of you who don't know what a UFO is. Because perhaps they've put them in a time machine and set a few hours forwards or backwards to put them back to where they were mm-hmm. in order to forget, but they've made a mistake just slightly off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just a thought. Well, yeah. That's why I think. Because I think it's very strange if you come from a far-flung planet, and you, but you look quite like a human. But I guess, you know, I'm sure there's people listening who are kind of like, it's something else. It could be just humans now dressed as aliens, making us think there's aliens when there aren't. I'm not disregarding other theories there. I just think it's an interesting idea. Yes, it is. So, aliens. We've been chatting about aliens lately. 
in we've general. Just, we've just been talking about aliens quite a bit lately, which is why I fancied doing an episode about them. Oh. And it won't be the last alien episode we record, because there are lots of stories involving aliens around the north of Britain and in the world. But we've been discussing various things with each other, like the Phoenix Lights. Not Phoenix Knights. That's no. a TV show. Uh, but we won't talk about Phoenix Lights now. But no. we might talk about those maybe in a Patreon episode, if you want to join in that. Yes, Patreon. Cool. But there are two particular alien-related doorstep stories. So I ask people who come on the show to tell us their doorstep ghost stories, but these are two particular alien-related doorstep stories that I think we should maybe talk about before we get to the, the subject of today's episode. Have we stopped talking about films? Are you want to say something about film? No, I was just going to say my other favourite film related to aliens. Yeah. Is Fire in the Sky. Oh, yeah. I, th- I wondered whether you were going to say that. The but Travis Walton film of abduction. Fire in the Sky would be a good thing to talk about right at the end. Yeah. After we've scared ourselves a bit. Yeah. With some we'll, more alien we'll stories. We'll on a cliffhanger. Yeah. But yeah, these two alien-related doorstep stories... There are a couple of stories that you have been pretty interested in, because you moved here from another place, which you were very secretive about last time another for some planet, reason. <laughs> but you told me about these stories, so I'm going to retell them to you, but you might know more than me about them. It's like the snake that eats itself. No, not that. The first one mm. is the Ilclimore alien. El Clamour Bartat. Yeah, your favourite song. Yeah, he doesn't wear a hat, does he? No, um, no. Yeah. He is without a hat. Yes, presuming he's a he, listeners. Oh, sorry, them. Uh, so this alien, the Il Climor alien, it was an, a supposed alien that was spotted and photographed by a policeman walking on Il Climor in West Yorkshire. And Ilkley Moor, it's not far from us here in Haworth, which is why it's a doorstep alien story. Mm. And the other one is an account we've heard on Uncanny, the Danny Robbins podcast that we actually mentioned the last time you were on. Mm. And that's about an alien experience in Todmorden, which is a little village on the other side of Hebden Bridge, also very near here, about half an hour's drive. And they're both mega interesting. And you might know more about the Ilkley Moor one than me. It's actually called the Ilkley Moor UFO Incident, and it happened on the 1st of December 1987. And Ilkley, for those of you unfamiliar with Ilkley, Ilkley is a spa town in West Yorkshire, and it's 12 miles north of Bradford and 17 miles northwest of Leeds, and it's where the famous cow and calf rocks are that sit just above the town on the hillside upon Ilkley Moor. It's a beautiful place. It is nice, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's lovely, Ilkley. Yeah, it's a nice day out. Yeah. Lots of walks. And there's a lovely pub on the hillside next to the Cow and Calf Rocks called the Cow and Calf. And you can sit and drink a beer or a non-alcoholic beverage. Yeah. But yeah, Ilkley Moor is an area of moor that stretches between Ilkley and Keithley. And it's the inspiration for your favourite song, Ilkley Moor Bar Tat. And Bar tat is Old Yorkshire for without a hat. Or something. Old Yorkshire or something for without a hat. On Ilkley Moor without a hat. The National Anthem of Yorkshire. Yeah. What's the National Anthem of County Durham, where you're from? The Lampton Worm. 
That's another paranormal thing we could revisit. The Lampton Worm. It's weird because they mention worms in the Ilkley Moor song as well. I wouldn't know anything about that. There have actually been a lot of UFO sightings upon Ilkley Moor, which sceptics have suggested is because of its close location to Menwith Hill Air Force Base, which is a Royal Air Force base near Harrogate, North Yorkshire. And Harrogate is also a spa town, about 18 miles away from Ilkley, where the big golf balls are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So sceptics have suggested the Air Force base has something to do with the sightings and also the fact that it's very near Leeds Bradford Airport. Yeah, if you ever fly into or out of Leeds Bradford, you you fly, you do a little circle over the moon. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, so there's probably, yeah, there's probably it's a bit great. of that you get a great view, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's really lovely, actually. So they think that people who think they've seen UFOs over Ilkley Moor some sceptics, um, they think they are mistaking standard earthly aircrafts for aliens. But this particular sighting, the one that we're talking about from the 1st of December 1987, is of notable infamy because the guy involved in the Ilkley-Moore UFO incident didn't just spot a UFO, but an actual alien. And the story goes that a retired policeman called Philip Spencer, that's not his real name, by the way, it's a fake name, Philip Spencer, retired police officer, who was not really called Philip Spencer, he had moved from London with his wife to her native land of God's Own County, as you like to call it, Yorkshire, mm. and he was walking across Ilkley Moor, not sure if he was with or without a hat, but he was walking across the moor on his way to visit his father-in-law in East Morton, and East Morton is a village about six miles away. And no, Keithley. Is it? Yeah. I don't really know, I don't know if I've been to East Morton, you know. Yeah, it's East Morton Hall. Oh, right. Does yeah, East like... Morton's um, not far from Howarth. It's Keithley. Keithley side of Rombold's Moor. Well, it's about six miles away from Ilkley. Yeah, that would be right, yeah. And as he was walking, he noticed a strange figure further on up the hill in front of him. And Philip Spencer stated that it was of a dark green colour, about four feet tall, with an oversized head and long, thin arms. And apparently this creature made a gesture at Philip, which he interpreted as one that intended to warn him to stay back and to not approach this small, green-headed, thin-armed creature, which might have been the finger. (laughs) But anyway, Philip didn't and took a picture of it instead. A picture which I'll share on social media, so do look out for that, please. I'm not sure why he just happened to have a camera with him, but it's quite a blurry image because it was reportedly a very foggy morning, so probably very dark. But there does seem to be a noticeably distinct outline of something that looks like... It doesn't quite look like part of the scenery. It looks kind of separate from the scenery. So you could imagine that it was an alien body if you wanted to. But I don't know. Have you have you seen the picture? Yeah. What do you think? <clears throat> I've got it as my desktop background at work. <laughs> my personal computer. <laughs> Does that mean that you believe it's an alien then? That he's taking the picture of an alien? Um, well, I don't know. It's just an interesting story, isn't it? It's a yeah, I mean the the picture can be interpreted as an alien. I've read various theories online that people say it's a just a bloke, a Yorkshire bloke <laughs> in a sou'wester hat carrying a carrier bag. Oh right, maybe. Um but why would that be something you'd take a photograph of? Because it's 
Yeah, and then say it was an alien afterwards. <clears throat> yeah, because... I don't know a... why you'd make it up, you know, I just don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting... I'm not saying it's real, I just don't understand, I don't understand the logic of the alternative. Yeah. Especially since he doesn't want his real name revealed. Well, yeah, it's... Um, but the photograph, yeah, it, it's not the best quality, as you've said. It's a bit grainy, isn't it, and everything. Um, but, it, yeah, it does look very alien-like, and it's got, like, long arms and stuff. But then when, when I did read about those various theories, it does seem that it could possibly be a man carrying a bag. <laughs> <laughs> but in every town in England, at least the north... There's lots of men in hats carrying carrier bags in one hand. And this guy was with a hat. This figure was with a hat. Yeah, and he shouldn't have been with a hat on Ilklamour. No. He should have been Bartat, <laughs> which means without a hat, as we have established. So, yeah. The creature ran away after Philip took its... Oh, did it run away? I don't know. This well, this bit. is the next this bit of the story. Yeah. The creature ran away after Philip took the picture while Philip was still not heeding the creature's warning, and he followed it through the fog, eventually losing it until he heard a loud hum and saw mm. what he describes as a spacecraft rise up from the moor, then disappear into the sky. And he said the spacecraft was whitish in colour, consisting of two saucer-shaped parts which sat one on top of the other, and for some reason... Probably because you'd wee-wee yourself if you saw an alien spaceship rise up in front of you. Philip didn't take a picture of the craft, so we've got no proof of the craft. And instead of heading to East Morton, he travelled to the nearest village instead, about half an hour away. And when he got there, he realised the time was two hours later than it should have been. So somewhere on Ilkley Moor, he'd lost two hours of his time that he could not account for. Which village did he go to? I don't know. I think oh. I read an account that did tell you what the village was, but I didn't know if it was... I didn't expect you to ask me which village. No, not, it was not, just a nearer village. It's not an it was interrogation. A it's just um, be interesting to find out because how far that was from his sighting and stuff. Because there's not much around there, is there? There's Elkie and... Well, there's Menston, which is quite far away. What's the one in between Elkie and... Ben Ridding? <clears throat> ben no. Ridding, yeah. No, not Ben Ridding. Oh, there is Ben Ridding, yeah, but ben do you Ridden's mean Burley and Wharf? Burley and Wharf. There's Burley and Wharfdale, yeah, and they're all, they're not insignificant distances, are they? It's quite a trek. Yeah. The following year, under regressive hypnosis, Spencer's original account of what happened on the moor changed, and a different tale emerged when, during this hypnosis, he said that actually when he first spotted the little green creature, he was instantly paralysed and lifted into the craft. And when he entered the ship, a voice told him to be calm while a group of green aliens performed experiments on him and inserted items into his nose and mouth. A bit like a Covid test. Yeah, maybe he's a time traveller. Maybe. Mm. He was then given a tour of the spacecraft <laughs> and shown a film with basically end-of-the-world style imagery, like nuclear explosions, famine and floods. And after this, he was shown a second film. But this second film, he has never revealed the contents of, as the aliens forbid him from sharing it with the rest of humanity. No. The aliens who abducted him said they didn't want the rest of humanity to know what was in that film, and that really, really scares me. Because what could be worse than the end of the world? It could have been close encounters of the third kind. Oh, maybe. <laughs> and they've said, they've already realised we're here, not realising it was a film. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No. Well, they could have watched it on Alien Telly and thought, oh no, the Earthlings know that we exist. 
Oh, right. It's considered a documentary. Ah. Do you know what I mean? No. But after he watched these films, <laughs> he was sent back to Ilkley Moor, and this is when he took... Did the... he have a hat? Um, don't think so. Um, but apparently this, this new story, this is when he took the alien picture, and he said it was not a photo of an alien telling him to stay away, but waving goodbye instead. Oh, so he changed his story. Under regret, under hypnosis. Oh, right. And I read a little excerpt, 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 I read a little bit, passage, (laughs) I read a little passage from a blog called Real Yorkshire Blog that finishes their version of this story with, no one knows why the alien chose Ilkley to visit, but I think that he or she may have just fancied a pint of Ilkley Brewery Mary Jane or a Betty's Fat Rascal after a long journey from Mars. Mars. Maybe. Maybe it was a posh alien and just wanted to look around locally. Betty's is a very famous tea room that was... Yeah, Betty's is... That's in places... Nice, and fat rascals are like big scones or scones. And you can... Yeah, they're nice if you ever get the... There's various Betty's. Not that we're sponsored by Betty's. No, no, definitely not. But they're nice if you ever pass a Betty's tea room. (laughs) Not as nice as everyone says. You've never been in a Betty's. I've had a fat rascal, though. You are a fat rascal. (laughs) So there are reports of Philip being harassed by the Ministry of Defence a few days after he had his encounter. I don't have much to say about this, actually. Uh, And they they sent, apparently they sent two men in black (laughs) to intimidate him into keeping quiet about the Ilkley-Moore UFO Mm. incident. But the same thing is said to have happened in our next doorstep alien tale, this uh, harassment by reportedly the Ministry of Defence. And it's the one, this alien tale, this next doorstep alien tale, is one that we heard on Uncanny. That's the podcast that we mentioned, that we keep mentioning. But this one, this is also about a policeman. This is another policeman, a Todmorden policeman, a still active at the time policeman. And he was involved in something similar during the 1980s again. And it was actually in early June 1980, so only just the 80s. But anyway, this policeman connected with the Todmorden UFO mystery. His name was Alan Godfrey, and that's his real name, not a pseudonym. And he was a constable of West Yorkshire Police, and his story begins on the 6th of June of that year, 1980, nearly six months before the Todmorden UFO incident, when 56-year-old Polish coal miner Zygmunt Adamski left his home in Tingley, West Yorkshire, to do some shopping and never returned. Three days later, on the 9th of June, he was found by coal yard worker Trevor Parker dead in a Todmorden coal yard 20 miles away from his house, with his body having been somehow deposited on top of a 10-foot-high pile of coal. Mm. And Alan Godfrey was the investigating officer sent to the scene after this gruesome discovery, and he reported his findings and circumstances of Adamski's death as being extremely unusual and strange. Do you want to know why? Yes, could you tell me, please? When he arrived at the coal yard, he noticed that the body was devoid of any traces of soot, which is weird, considering it was found right on the top of a large pile of coal. It looked as though he'd been put there from on high, like he'd been literally dropped from the sky, and Godfrey described his face, which was looking straight upwards, as appearing as though it had been frightened to death. 
Although he was wearing a suit, his shirt, watch and wallet were missing and what clothes he did have on him were described as being improperly fastened and his hair had been roughly crop shot. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. There are some theories that he'd been killed by KGB agents or that he'd been struck by ball lightning, Mm. then wandered into the coal pile before dying. However, that seems unlikely considering the lack of soot or a scuffle. And there were other peculiarities found upon the body in the form of mysterious burns on his neck and shoulders that the coroner confirmed had been treated with some kind of unfamiliar ointment. Yeah, he had slime on him, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And he only had a day's growth of beard, despite having been missing for several days. Mm. Did the policeman who found him not say that he'd, um, his conclusion was he'd definitely been dressed after he'd been killed? It looked like he had been dressed by someone who didn't really know how to fasten clothes properly. Oh, right. Or that it, they just weren't fastened together properly. There's something very strange about that, isn't there? A nicely dressed man on top of a coal pile. Yeah, and because of this oddness, and because Todmorden formed part of UFO Alley due to the number of UFO sightings that had been reported in this area, many believed that Zygmunt Adamski had suffered the misfortune of coming into contact with alien life forms who had abducted and killed him. But ball lightning, have you ever heard of ball lightning before? <clears throat> yeah, it's I a- hadn't. And I just, last night, I was like, I better find out what ball lightning is. And it's just, oh my God. It can just appear, apparently. It's a ball of light. It's a ball of light that moves. It's usually associated with thunderstorms. You can see videos online of ball lightning, like strange orbs in the sky that um, explode and leave a sulfuric smell behind. Yeah, and they can move around and things. It's really strange. If you want anyone, please watch them online. They're just absolutely, I was quite scared. Yeah, they're very... um, I don't understand. Do you know what the scientific thing is? It's very wishy-washy. Yeah, there wasn't a proper scientific explanation. Yeah. People have seen them and there's no real scientific answer for what they are. No. Normal lightning's pretty um, amazing too, in terms of can appear in many forms. Yeah, but these little orbs seem independent. Yeah, they just seem to float around and... There's a video I watch on YouTube of a, or on the internet of um, a ball lightning on a railway line. Oh, right. And yeah, it was just moving around randomly. It's very, yeah, it's very eerie stuff. So that happened, the death of poor Zygmunt Adamski. Half a year later, in the early hours of the 28th of November 1980, around 5am, Alan Godfrey, same guy, policeman, was driving along Burnley Road on the outskirts of Todmorden on patrol investigating reports of escaped cattle. That's cows. And this escaped cattle kept appearing and disappearing on a local housing estate. And he patrolled the area for a while, unable to locate the missing cows, and just as he was about to give up and return back to base, he suddenly spotted a large bright object in the road a few hundred yards ahead. At first he thought it was a bus, however as he drew nearer he realised it couldn't be a bus and it wasn't attached to the ground and in fact it was hovering above it. And he described it as being a diamond-shaped object about 20 foot high and 14 feet wide. And it was rotating at such speed that it was causing the bushes at the side of the road to shake. Ooh. 
Ooh. Godfrey reportedly stopped his car and tried to radio for backup. However, he found his equipment wouldn't work, so he quickly took a sketch of the unusual craft before it suddenly vanished in a burst of light. It was at this point he found himself driving 30 yards further down the road, with the time being half an hour ahead of what it had been before the object disappeared. When he turned the car around and drove it back to the spot where he'd first seen the diamond-shaped object, he exited the car and examined the ground to find the part of road where the object had hovered over to be completely dry, even though the rest of the road was wet due to the drizzling rain that had been falling for some time. Not only this, but Godfrey noticed that his boots were split along the soles as though he'd been dragged along the road against his will and there was an itchy red mark on one of his feet. And the cows he'd been looking for, they turned up soon afterwards in a field behind a locked gate with no evidence on the muddy ground of any cow hooves having recently walked through the gate opening. Naughty cows. Well, like, had they been picked up and transplopped down by aliens? When he returned to the station, Alan Godfrey filed a report and was surprised to discover that he wasn't the only one who'd seen something weird in the sky that morning. Another driver three miles further along Burnley Road had seen a brilliant white light at the same time Godfrey had seen his UFO, and a police patrol from Halifax, which is a town... Is it a city or a town? Town. A town 13 miles away from Todmorden had watched a brilliant blue-white glow descending into the Calder Valley towards Todmorden just before Godfrey had his encounter. And several weeks after this, like I said, he, like Philip Spencer is believed to have been, he was, Godfrey was visited by a man in a dark suit who introduced himself as the man from the ministry and basically told him never to talk about what he'd seen with anyone ever again. And this man also followed him to his local pub in a bid to intimidate him, it's believed, before Godfrey told him to do one and he disappeared forever. But he had a rough time of it after all that, did poor Alan. Yeah, I read about that. And yeah. He'd, um, yeah, he'd had a, he'd, did he leave the police force? And... He just, yeah, he had, a, he had a breakdown. It really affected him. But if you mm. want to hear more about that, uh, listen to Uncanny, because you can hear it from Godfrey himself. He talks about it himself. So if you want to listen to that, it's, it's, it's on BBC Sounds. There are two episodes about UFOs on there, but the Todd Mudden one is case number three. And like I said, Danny Robbins interviews Alan Godfrey himself. So I'd recommend you giving that a listen to hear a more first-hand account of what happened. It's interesting though, isn't it? Quite sad. Obviously, it doesn't look like any good came of it. No, it's a very... <laughs> um... So whether you think he was tortured or not, yeah, tortured existence afterwards. Yeah, you know, the strange link between the Ilklamua alien and... Why do you keep saying it in a Lancashire accent? Because the song says Ilklamua, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, but you, you say Moor, like... Because I'm not that's from, a bit I'm not from Moor. Yorkshire. Obvious, I say, obviously. I say Moor. Oh, right. So you're doing half Yorkshire, half <laughs> not, northeast. Um, yeah, Ilkla, because that's what. What the... do you think you're playing at doing that? <laughs> I will talk in perfect Yorkshire accent now. On. That's not a Yorkshire accent either. Some of the ones I've heard, it is. <laughs> um, no, the interesting link between these two cases: the Ilkley Moor alien and the Todmorden UFO incident. 
Well, they're both policemen yeah. who reported them. Um, but perhaps that's why they've um, been given so much attention, because they're from what's seen as more credible sources, I guess. I'm not saying yeah. a policeman's account is more credible than someone who isn't, but no, perhaps but, um, that that's why it's probably more it's been documented yeah yeah yeah. but no i just found that interesting but yeah it's the todd one's very curious but on that uncanny episode the second episode case Mm. eight they mention a howarth alien don't they yeah yes and where was it spotted it was spotted in victorian times or georgian oh really Oh, right. And it, so had, it's not a... and it had exactly the same description as the Todmorden Oh, did it? UFO. Oh, da, wow. da, da. oh my God. In Haworth. So all the people who were saying that it was the Todmorden UFO was just the Ministry of Defence secret aircraft or an American secret aircraft or whatever has been kind of questioned because oh yeah because it's from victorian times yeah and it had the same description oh my god so yeah if anyone wants to listen that's very interesting but yeah but for now let's get to the main event probably i'm going to be talking about it probably a bit less now than i've already talked about our doorstep aliens but nonetheless it is the title of today's episode so we'd better tell the listener a little bit about it at least And the title of today's episode is... The Falkirk Triangle. Have you ever heard of the Falkirk Triangle? I have never heard of the Falkirk Triangle. Well, the Falkirk Triangle is the name given to the area of sky above Falkirk, Glasgow and Edinburgh which has been home to numerous reported UFO sightings, with 300 sightings being reported every year. Wow, it's a lot of sightings. (laughs) It is. For anyone who doesn't know where Falkirk, Edinburgh and Glasgow are, they're all in the central lowlands of Scotland. Edinburgh is, of course, the capital city of Scotland, over on the east coast. The city of Glasgow is over nearer the west side, and Falkirk is slightly higher somewhere in the middle, in the Forth Valley, 23.3 miles northwest from Edinburgh, 20.5 miles northeast of Glasgow, and if you join those three places together with some kind of string with pins, like they do in detective dramas to identify a killer's key hunting ground, you'll find it makes the loose shape of a triangle. Hence the Falkirk Triangle. Falkirk is the tip of that triangle, and it's also where those big, massive Kelpie sculptures are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you think they were made by aliens? Don't know. The Falkirk wheel's there, too. Oh, is it? That may be made by aliens. Do you reckon? What does it do? It's the canal boat thing. Oh, does a boat go on it? A boat goes on it and then goes up, like a lift, and the wheel spins round. I don't know if I'd like that. Takes the canal boat from the bottom and goes and takes around the top canal. Have you ever been on it? I've never been on it and I've only seen photographs. So the Falkirk Triangle is basically an area from Stirling to Fife and the fringes of Edinburgh that is the scene of numerous UFO sightings. But at the heart of this triangle is a small village called Bonnie Bridge, which, along with being able to boast as having rather well-preserved Roman things, like walls and forts... Does that sentence make any sense? Yes. 
It's considered to be the UFO capital of the world. No, no. Everything says this. It's always the world or the country. I don't know if it's true, but it's it's pretty significant is Bonnie Bridge. It's pretty Bonnie. And pretty Bonnie means it's pretty. Yeah. Bonnie Bridge is about four miles from Falkirk and just over 5,000 people lived there. There's differing numbers online, but the one that seems is the most accurate, perhaps, is 5,000. So there's 5,000 people live there, many of whom claim to have seen a UFO at at least one point in their lives, which is why Bonnie Bridge has been nicknamed the Scottish Roswell. One of the first recorded sightings in this area was in 1989 when a red object appeared in the sky when a fire crew were engaged in extinguishing a blaze. This red object is said to have moved towards the fire engine before flying away to be replaced by a second object sometime after. This object was white and hovered above nearby Loch Elrig about 8 metres away from those who stood there watching it. However, the Bonnie Bridge UFO phenomena first emerged into the public consciousness in 1992 when businessman, he's referred to as a businessman in multiple sources, so I better refer to him as such on here, when businessman James Walker noticed strange lights in the sky as he was driving home from work one night. Forced to stop his car on the side of the road he was travelling on, he saw, hovering above said road, a bright, shining, star-shaped object that was blocking his way, at which point it took off at lightning speed and disappeared. And so did he, because he was scared. Oh no. Falkirk councillor Billy Buchanan, as if that isn't a name right out of the viz, the very big balls of Billy Buchanan. <laughs> That's what I imagine the yeah. title of Billy Buchanan's segment of The Viz would be. But I'm, I'm obviously not referring to this Billy Buchanan, just a character forged from the name of Billy Buchanan. The real Billy Buchanan, not The Viz one, brought a lot of national attention to this particular UFO incident and the incidents that followed after by holding a public meeting to discuss what the heck was going on in his neighbourhood. It was held in 1993 and various theories were discussed, such as the notion that Bonnie Bridge was a thin place where the veil between this world and another close-by dimension or world was very thin. And that's what apparently a thin place means. Another option is that the Ministry of Defence was testing a top-secret weapon. People might just be drunk or intoxicated somehow during these supposed UFO encounters. And the last theory was this... And I quote, and this is a quote from the Scotsman back in February 2005, that there really was something outlandish going on. After James the Businessman Walker spotted his hovering star-shaped spacecraft, a further string of extraterrestrially suspicious things have happened. For example, in 1994, three cleaners on their way to work saw five, not just one, but five UFOs. And I don't know what form these UFOs took, but when they arrived at work, they were told that a number of their colleagues had also seen, within the same week, some unusual things like flashing lights and strange orbs in the sky. <sighs> Other reports have included sightings of cigar-shaped flying objects, unexplained hovering lights, and buzzing crafts that loudly fly over motorists. 
And all of the above has become commonplace encounters that have been experienced over decades. Some have even claimed to have been kidnapped and brought aboard flying saucers to be examined by extraterrestrials. Some crafts have been spotted landing on golf courses, but I think that's just Donald Trump. Stealing the balls. Yes, Donald Trump stealing all the balls. And the nine iron. What is it? The nine iron. What is it? It's the best one. What is it? The best The club. best ball? Oh, the best club. Oh. But it's a thing they take pretty seriously in Bonnie Bridge. So affected are they by strange sightings in the sky and thereabouts. And councillors have written to various British Prime Ministers demanding that someone investigates the unusual activity that's affecting everyone in their community. And one man named Malcolm Robinson, who is a writer and UFO investigator, has been quite heavily involved in these attempts to implement a no-fly alien zone. He went to 10 Downing Street with a petition, but apparently it all fell on deaf ears. All they said was, the Downing Street officials, that as these objects did not constitute a threat to the defence of the United Kingdom, they would not open any inquiry. One of the most famous UFO encounters outside of Bonnie Bridge in the Falkirk Triangle is the Robert Taylor Incident, or the Detmont Woods Encounter. On the 9th of November 1979, Bob Taylor, as he's more colloquially known, a forestry worker for the Livingston Development Corporation, had parked his pickup truck by the side of a road near the M8 to walk his dog up a forest path up the side of Deckment Law. Deckment Law is a hill in Livingston, West Lothian, about 40 minutes drive from Bonnie Bridge, and as Bob was in this area, he afterwards reported seeing some sort of flying dome about six and a half metres in diameter, hovering above ground, about 500 metres away from his truck. He said it was made of a dark metallic material with a rough texture like sandpaper, with an outer rim set with small propellers. He also said he could smell something foul like burning brakes and he quickly lost consciousness when, and this is weird, smaller spheres like sea mines seized him and dragged him towards the larger object, after which he awoke to find the large object and weird spherical sea mine things gone. He was laying face down on the grass with his dog still standing nearby, but he couldn't speak. His legs hurt and his pickup truck refused to start, so he and his dog had to walk back to his home in Livingston. When he eventually arrived, his wife described him as being extremely dishevelled, very muddy, and his trousers and clothing had been torn. He had cuts and grazes to his chin and thighs, and when the incident was reported to the police, investigating officers found ladder-shaped marks in the ground where Bob Taylor said he saw the flying dome, and other marks as well that looked to have been made by smaller spherical objects, presumably the sea mine entities. There's a plaque on a rock where the whole encounter took place, and because of Bob's injuries, the police recorded it as an act of criminal assault, and apparently it's the only example of an alien sighting becoming the subject of a criminal investigation. There are some drawings of this sea mine thing on the internet that Bob has drawn, so I think they're okay to share, and I'll put them on social media. And I'll upload some additional photographs of unexplained objects that people living in and around the Falkirk Triangle have recorded too. 
And I've got some more scary alien-y tales to tell that have supposedly taken place within other areas of the Falkirk Triangle. <laughs> Do you want me to say something? No. <laughs> All right. So on the A70 road, uh, it's not quite within that triangle, but it's very near to it. Just beneath the triangle, it's around 75 miles long, uh, the A70 road, and it runs from Edinburgh to Ayr, and it's the scene of one of Scotland's most famous UFO incidents, known as the A70 incident. And what happened was, in 1992, two men called Gary Wood and Colin Wright were travelling from Edinburgh along the A70, when their vehicle was suddenly intercepted by what they described as a two-tiered disc-shaped alien vessel, after which they experienced two hours of unaccounted time they could not explain. The two men were left stunned and confused as to what could have happened to them, and it was only after undergoing hypnotic regression that they recalled being lifted on board the alien ship and being subjected to experiments by aliens. Mm. In Gorebridge, I think that's how you say it, in Gorebridge, which is a former mining village just east of the Falkirk Triangle, there have been numerous reports of alien activity in an abandoned coal mine called the Blink Bonnie Mine. Some people believe that this mine is a meeting base for aliens called the Camp, after two persons were allegedly chased by a luminous green floating eye that emerged from the mine while they were digging up nearby Christmas trees. Others have witnessed strange lights flowing above the camp, and there have been sightings of greys, and that's the name given to a subsection of aliens by alien experts that look a certain way. There have also been reports of abductions, livestock killings, and men in black style figures lurking about the surrounding woods. At Glasgow Prestwick Airport in February 1999, an air traffic controller tracked a fast-moving and unexplained UFO on the airport radar. The RAF air defence staff launched an urgent investigation and impounded the radar tapes, but a report concluded that no additional evidence could be found to corroborate the incident. However, in 2003, a member of the public from West Kilbride wrote to the Ministry of Defence to report the presence of a fluorescent green, saucer-shaped UFO harassing a plane near Prestwick Airport, but again, nothing came of this. In Glasgow City Centre, on the 11th of May 2019, so very recent, an unexpected light was seen darting around the sky near the entrance to Glasgow Green. One witness said, I was stunned to see what looks like a flying saucer in the middle of the town. It just scuds around in the sky as cars pass by underneath, seemingly oblivious. It looked pretty erratic, but it's Glasgow on a Friday night, so maybe little green men like a drink too. Ha <laughs> So we obviously don't live in or around the Falkirk Triangle, but we had our own weird experience in Haworth quite recently, didn't we? Yeah. Go on then. We've had many weird experiences in Haworth. Yeah. Haven't we? But we're talking about one in particular. Yeah. wonder what it is. Were you going to say what, what what we saw? Yeah, but are you going to say what we saw? Well, yeah, but I don't understand what it was. I don't know how much you saw or what I saw. Well, all I can say is it was called the Haworth Banshee. That's what you've named it, isn't it? No, it was called that. <laughs> It was something we saw, we glimpsed, but we didn't see it properly. 
and it was like it was like one of those videos that you see on YouTube where someone has dressed up a drone as a witch or something and is flying it around graveyards scaring people on Halloween. That's what the glimpse of it looked like. It kind of did. It was gliding. It wasn't a bird. It couldn't have been a bird. It wasn't flapping. It was though it was moving like a craft. It was triangular shaped. Something like that. I couldn't see what shape it was. I just caught the tail end of it. But it was the way it was moving freaked me out. I looked at it in the sky. Yeah. And it was triangular shaped. And it flew over the main street of Haworth, which is on a big hill. Near a graveyard. Near a graveyard, surrounded by very tall trees that no one could control a drone by sight. So if it was a drone dressed as a banshee, it could only be controlled by if there was a video on the actual drone. Oh yeah, I guess, yeah, actually, I never thought of that. Because you can't see it by sight, so it it just flew across the main street and down the hill, which seemed very unusual, and it wasn't a drone-sized object, it was quite large. But it made no sound. Yeah, it was weird. And I didn't see anyone else notice it apart from us, even though there were a few no, people. because it wasn't huge, but it was a large flying craft. Yeah, it didn't make any sound and it was very um, unusual to watch. And curious and unnerved us, didn't it? It did unnerve us. Unnerved I didn't you. understand, yeah. Particular, didn't it? Yeah. So speaking of unnerving things, shall we go back to your fire in the sky love of the film Fire in the Sky? Yeah. You wanted to talk about it a bit. Yeah. Could see it in your face that you were disappointed you couldn't. What did my face do? It just looked sad. Mm. What would you like to say about it? Um. <laughs> it's just a scary film, isn't it? There, in a nutshell. Have you ever heard of Sky Trumpets? No. <laughs> Google Sky Trumpets and watch the videos that you find on there of Sky Trumpets with the sound on. No. Anyone listening, also do this because it's fascinating. They're basically these weird loud noises that have been heard in various parts of the world coming from the sky. Or they sound as though they're coming from the sky. And they sound like someone playing a trumpet really badly. But they're really loud and no one knows what they are. And some believe they're celestial trumpets heralding the apocalypse. And they were heard a lot during lockdown apparently. But yeah, have a listen. And maybe we can talk about them properly next time. Yeah. And why is this related to fire in the sky? Well, it's just sky trumpets. All right. Oh, we were going to talk about why you think you look like a baby. (laughs) What's that? Well, I don't know. My legs don't bend very much, do they? So I just (laughs) kind of, when I run, they're very straight. Yeah. And um, I like running around just randomly in circles and stuff. So, yeah, maybe I'm related to one of the Close Encounters aliens. You do have a fine selection of baby grows, don't you? Yeah, the finest. (laughs) Made of mithril. Thanks for listening, everyone, and for letting us inject a bit of northern soul into your day. I hope you found these UFOs to be good ones, and that you were suitably entertained by them. Long live aliens. Do we want them to live long if they're abducting people? Yes. I guess just long live Bonnie Bridge and Falkirk and Howarth and Todmorden and Ilkley and all the other places we mentioned and all who reside there. And may her power forever compel you to never presume that you should persist in harassing aliens out on walks upon the Yorkshire Moors when they specifically asked you not to because you might just get probed. See you later. Bye!
I've never been on it and I've only seen photographs.